0: For the rest of you who are here with us this morning, would you open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke? And we're going to be in chapter 12 today, which is awesome. Uh, Again, if you're new with us, our pattern as a church is to go through books of the Bible verse by verse, uh, one verse at a time, discovering what God's word is actually saying to us, and what it said to the early church in the beginning, but also what it's saying to us today. We have been in this gospel for about a year and a half, a few little breaks here and there to uh, do other studies whether it was uh, um, uh, uh, you know Christmas and uh, Easter and things like that and uh, believe it or not we're in chapter 12 today when we finish this chapter which is a long chapter 59 verses a lot of the chapters in Luke are long we will be halfway through hmm. and it's been a year and a half that's exciting isn't it and it's gonna take us five weeks to get through this chapter believe it or not there's so much here I have to, I want to share this with you as I was preparing and looking forward to, uh, I love the gospel, as you can tell, uh, you know, we've done the book of Acts, also written by Luke. I love Luke's gospel, but this chapter, uh, I'm probably going to share a few times with you during this chapter, the impact that it has had on my life and did have on my life 25 years ago. Um, It's kind of remarkable as I look at this passage today, some tough words from Jesus, go figure, right, like we saw last week. But it, was, it came at a point in my life where I was, yes, I was a believer, I was a businessman, I was you know, working hard to become very wealthy by the time I was 40, because that was my goal. And others were pressing into my life, men at our church that we were going to, or I was going to occasionally. And uh, you know they really leaned into me. And uh, then I, I got to this chapter, and as you'll see in a few weeks, there's one particular passage that just hit my heart like a dart changed the course of my life, quite frankly, as far as my walk with Jesus and eventually ministry. So it means a lot to me to be in this with you, and I, I want to share that with you. And I'm hoping today, honestly, I'm hoping today, I've been praying in the last few days, that this will do something for some of you here too. I, I know a lot of you. You're all doing great. OK, maybe not so much, right? The Christian life is not, it's not a breeze, is it? We're not perfect yet. We're not there yet. Lots of work to be done. I'm going to read the first three verses, Luke chapter 12. Read along with me, and then I'm going to pray one more time as we dive into this amazing text. Luke writes, verse 1, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, yes, again, we are not what we should be. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. We thank you for inspiring Luke to uh, meet with eyewitnesses who knew Jesus and followed him and recorded these words for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving the the truth of the words that Jesus spoke at that time and in that place so that we could hear the the truth from his lips today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today. You specifically would speak to us so that our hearts would be renewed, transformed, so that we can follow Jesus in the way that we are called to. And I pray these things in his worthy name. Amen. So again, I remember as I, it's the same time, every time I come back to this chapter, uh, over 25 years, and I, I've preached on this before, but not, um, not the whole chapter, I did preach on the passage that we'll get to in a few weeks, that was quite seminal in the change in my life, um, the parable of the rich fool, that we're going to be getting to, right? And uh, it, this opening bit really catches me every time, you know, in the meantime, like, you know, like, you might just read that. We read words like this sometimes, and it's like, yeah, okay, let's get going. Let's get to the red letters, the Jesus words, right? But it's so important, and, and th- what I love about it is the way Luke writes. His narrative is interesting. If you stop and think about every word, it's really important, and it's interesting. We learned as we began this, this study that Luke, his gospel is not necessarily chronological, Exactly like some of the other Gospels, like Matthew in particular. So he, he's, he's ordering events in such a way that his good friend, as he says in the first four verses of chapter 1, his good friend Theophilus would have certainty about Jesus, about what he has learned. So he's ordering them like specifically so things line up so that the points are made, the Gospel is presented. But then when he is chronological, he lets us know like he is doing right here. And so when he says in the meantime, he's talking about, he's connecting the lunch that we learned about last week in the Pharisee's home, right? He's connecting that event with this immediately. This is what follows. This is what happens after Jesus leaves that house. So that's, that's an important thing for us to understand. And so let's try to imagine it this way. This is what happened, right? You remember from last week. Jesus is at dinner in this Pharisee's home, and it's an interesting conversation. I... I I, I called him the awkward dinner guest, right, Uh, it it was, woe to you Pharisees, right, three times, woe to you lawyers, three times, what, it was difficult stuff, so he was a very awkward dinner guest, but listen, what we need to see is this, The, the homes in those days, and especially in Pharisees' homes, these were upper class and respected and influential men in the community, Their homes uh, had windows, but, but, well, no, they didn't have windows. They had open walls, right? And and they were open to the outside. And oftentimes, they actually had courtyards on the outside. And the plebs of the community, you know, good Greek word there, Latin word, uh, would be able to stand outside the windows and listen into the conversation because these are important people, right? And these are important conversations. And so we need to imagine that's exactly what was happening as Jesus is in there at table with some of his disciples and the Pharisees and he's, he's going after them. He's calling them out. So just imagine it this way. You got, you got some people that are up near the window, and they're hearing what's going on, and they're like doing play-by-play. Play. He just said this, right? And, and they're like, and he said this, and oh, and then there was this. And, and then they get passed on. And as people are walking by, more and more and more and more stop. Listen, it, it's important when Luke records that thousands had gathered... This is not an exaggeration, We always have these impressions of Jesus. Well, yeah, he hung around with 12 guys. Oh, there were a few ladies, but you know, thousands upon thousands of people followed Jesus. And so they're passing this on as others are walking by, and and I wanna suggest to you they would, the people would essentially be taking two sides in this story. The first is many of them would be rooting for Jesus, right? They'd be like, yeah, give it to them, right? Because these Pharisees, at least a a fair number of them, were hypocrites, right? We learned that last week. They they were religious overlords. They really burdened the people with all kinds of rules and regs that were really not biblical, they were extra biblical. And so many of the people really, they were like, Jesus, give it to them. Yeah. We We really, like, they did not appreciate the Pharisees one bit. At least in their opinion, they were very hypocritical, and they were not very well liked. On the other hand, their hypocrisy, as we will learn from our text today, it has the nasty habit of spreading and infecting others. It has a habit of spreading and infecting others. And so like I said last week, we're all hypocrites. At different times and in some ways, right? We have to battle against it, but we also should see this today. Please see this. We also have the tendency, as hypocrites to be Pharisees. You're welcome, okay? We do. I mean I, I think what happens is, far too often, the religious Jewish Pharisees, they do get a bad rap. And deservedly, of course, in some situations, however, and regardless of where you are on the spectrum spiritually, whether you're the the liberty-leaning all-grace or the fundamental conservative over on the right-hand side, right, uh, you too can be a hypocritical Pharisee. And so what many do today, which is a mistake, and I think not at all what Jesus was getting at, is to equate, listen pharisaical behavior or hypocrisy just with conservative Christianity. That, I would suggest to you, is a mistake. We saw that last week in chapter 11, verse 42. Let me put it back on screen for you. We saw that explained by Jesus. He said, but woe to you, Pharisees. This is your outline for today, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to go to the woe. But woe to you, Pharisees. He said, for... You, hmm, this is is going so well. There we are. But woe to you Pharisees. Look, he said, but you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and you neglect justice and the love of God. So a lot of people look at that and they go, there you go. Conservative Christians, right? Like, yeah, it's all about the rules and the regs and the giving and the tithing and, you know, the way you look and the way you dress and all the rest of it. But you neglect social justice. Jesus didn't stop there. He went on to say, as you can see, these you ought to have done, look at this, without neglecting the other. What would that be? Giving. Giving. And so here's how it looks. For the legalistic, hypocritical, conservative Pharisee, it's all about the tithing. Look at me, clang, clang, look how much I give, right? Elders, do you like me? Sure you do, right? Social justice? Not so much. The poor, the oppressed, the homeless, well, I'll give to Union Gospel Mission maybe, but go down there and feed them, be with them, bring the gospel to them, I'll pay somebody else to do that. right? But then on the other hand, listen, on the other hand, it's this, the liberty-leaning hypocritical liberal Pharisee is all about the social justice. Maybe not the giving, maybe not the giving. So we've got to be careful because Jesus, look, at the end of the day, do you see it? Here's what I see. I see Jesus talking to his disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, regular Joes and Marys, right? And he's warning them that they too can become a hypocritical Pharisee. So he's talking to all of us, right? So I'm going to put a couple of Uh, things up on screen for you that we sort of concluded from last week, actually one that we concluded from last week, and one that I want to put out for you today, and that is this. First of all, hypocrisy happens when we're trying too hard to be seen as righteous. You see that? Hypocrisy happens when you or I are trying too hard to convince others that we're righteous. Doesn't matter which side you're on, right? We're the righteous ones, they're not. I'm with them, not with them. But secondly is this, hypocrisy has happened when you find yourself looking down on others. Listen, this is why the people in that day, many people did not like the Pharisees. They looked down on others, usually from an elevated platform. People can do that today. So it's at that point about you or I thinking basically too highly of ourselves isn't it so th- this is what jesus wants to get at this is not his religion it's not the gospel and he wants his disciples to see that that's what the pharisee does on either side and that happens no matter what end of the spiritual or otherwise spectrum you're on you eventually if you're being pharisaical and hypocritical will look down on others people who do not agree with you right so in the meantime, in the meantime, again, we see these words, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. So let's remember how that lunch meeting ended, right? When it ended, the Pharisees followed Jesus out into the crowd, right? And they started to press him. The, the, the Greek language there is, is that they, they started to really, like, they, they wanted to fight with him. They wanted to debate with him. They wanted to argue with him. Why? They they wanted him to make a mistake, to say something so wrong that all of the people would now move over to their side. It appears, I think, that this is the second thing that we should see, that some of them probably did. There were probably a number of men and women there who were going, hey, who does this guy think he is? Calling out our religious leaders. The, The men whom we're trying to follow. To be like who are modeling this pharisaical hypocrisy for us there's always a defense right people always will stand up for these things so as we've seen now for a few weeks regardless of what is happening around jesus his focus is his disciples this really struck me when i saw this okay there's thousands of people i mean this this is a mega church right jesus get on the platform preach the gospel, and, and your church could grow. There's thousands there. Guys, come here. It's an incredible picture. So despite that, we read, he began to say to his disciples, first. What possibly do you think could be so important that Jesus would ignore this crowd and literally huddle? Now they're still there, but he's huddling with his disciples. I, I, this past week, uh, most of you who are part of the Rock Church are going through this Saturate Field Guide study with us, um, which is really awesome. It's challenging, to say the least. Anybody? Amen? <laughs> Just a little challenging. Uh, you know. Bringing the gospel to bear on all of our lives and everything we do and say and don't do and don't say. It's awesome. But one of the things we discovered in week three this past week that I think surprised a lot of people was Listen, I, I think we all, when we're trying to relate to Jesus, all of us could probably say, who are Christian, could say, well, he's Lord. and He's Lord. He's God. He's King. He's teacher. But the study was challenging us to ask this question. Do you see him as your brother? And, and I, I shared with the group, I'm like, I think I struggle with that one. My, my I, don't, I never had a brother, right, in real life, but like a brother? I mean, a guy that I could fight with, you know, after a baseball game or something, I don't know. Like, a brother? But then we started searching out scripture and we're thinking like, remember when Jesus' mother and brothers come when he's outside, when he's in the house and he's preaching and they're worried about him, because maybe he hasn't eaten and these Pharisees are trying to get a ring together to crucify him, and they're like, you know, we need to get, come home and protect you. And Peter goes in and says, your mother and your brothers are outside and sisters are outside. And he goes, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? These people right here. Remember Mary? She goes to the tomb and Jesus appears to her. And immediately she says, Roboni, which means teacher. What does Jesus say to her? Mary, go tell my brothers. My brothers. Not my lowly disciples, my brothers. I share that with you because it's, it's so important for us to see that from this point on, for the next seven or eight chapters, Jesus will focus on his brothers and sisters. There's a collective word there. His family. Because he loves them. But he's also preparing them for this. So what's important? What's so important that Jesus would ignore these crowds and focus on his disciples, his brothers and sisters? Obviously. Hypocrisy. It it is his greatest concern for them. This lunch has highlighted for them that at the heart of the Pharisees and the scribes, listen, practice of religion, the way they practiced their religion was hypocrisy. And and Jesus knows exactly how that works as well. He, He knows that, listen, for most of them, they didn't start off wanting to be hypocrites. Most of them were like, we love God. We love the Torah, we love the the law, we love the Word of God, we want to be part of leading his people. And something happened. It slipped in and it changed. And so of course we, we see how Jesus deals with this here. It's really quite remarkable. And so he's, he's focusing on his disciples because he's concerned that his own disciples, the men and the women, the men in particular, who would plant these New Testament churches, who would write the New Testament Bible, right, who would be the early church, he was concerned that they too would be infected by the same hypocritical, hypocritical spirit. So let's be sure we get this, as I've said and alluded to already. His concern is that this is not a maybe. It's not a possibility, but it's a very strong likelihood. For them, too, which means for you and for me, right? We're no different than them, none whatsoever. And so his concern is that. And then we see this. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, if any of you know me, you know I consider myself a wannabe chef, right? I I like to cook Italian food, seafood. I like to cook, but a baker, I am not, okay? I am definitely not a baker. Like Jenna says, go ahead, take some flour and something. Go for it. I'm going, no, not going to touch it. Like, I just know I'm going to be a failure, right? But I know some really good bakers, right? And, of course, the illustration that Jesus is making here is it should be rather obvious to us if you're not a baker, it basically goes like something like this. When you, take, when you take even a small amount of sourdough, you know, leaven, right, and, and then you incorporate it into a new batch of dough, your hope or expectation is, is that it'll take over, right? It'll spread throughout the whole lump of dough. It will leaven the dough. That's the expectation. So as Jesus focuses on his disciples, he's basically saying to them, listen, be careful that you yourselves don't become infected even with a little bit of this leaven stuff, this practice, this behavior of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy, because if you do, here's what's going to happen. Their kind of religious hypocrisy will infect the whole will infect the whole of you, and quite frankly, it'll spread to everyone you come in contact with. It sounds like a virus, doesn't it? It is. It's a virus. So here's how that can happen. Uh, I don't know about you, but like again, I, I, in my life when I was younger, there were certain men in my life, spiritual men, leaders, who I would, you know, I'd look to and I'd try to m- model myself after them, and, and uh, to be honest with you, and some of the more conservative churches that we were part of at times, I was like, well, that's the way he talks and the way he thinks and the way he, well, I guess I, yeah, I wanna be like that. And you pick up these things, right? It, it, It tends to infect you. Either way, either way this can happen to a believer. They infect you and then you become infected and you pass it on. And it, it just doesn't seem to get any better. Sadly, listen, I don't know about you, but in our North American church, in my lifetime anyway, I have seen some, I'm just going to call it what it is, really gross examples of Christian hypocrisy in the church. I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, it, it seems to be a bit of a pattern. As soon as you see a preacher on television get up there and start railing against sexual sins, right, like really going after it, Every single aspect of it, in detail. It's kind of bizarre how months later, sometimes years later, they are found to be in some form of illicit sexual affair. Ever heard of that? Ever seen that? Or, or you know, the uh, one particular episode that I saw Um, not locally but somewhere else at one time you know a a a man who was a leader in the church uh, he was a treasurer in the church he was a trusted financial advisor uh, of all of the people in that church and quite frankly through his work and in the community and uh, finds out about a year or two later that he's actually part of a Ponzi scheme getting people to invest their money and bilking people out of millions and millions of dollars. Those Christians are such hypocrites aren't they? It's everywhere. The evidence of it is everywhere. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful. You need to be careful. I need to be careful. This has been rocking me the last 48 hours, guys. I'm Like searching my own heart. Where Glenn, Glenn, have you ever heard the phrase what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Anybody? Come on. Any of you sort of thought, listen, when I'm not at church and I'm not around, I'm over on the the island or in Vegas or wherever it might be that, you know what, I'm just going to let my hair down a little bit here. Who's going to know? Who's it going to hurt? Yeah. What happens in Vegas? I think it's true that you'll agree with me on this at least. The scent of hypocrisy is often strong in the Christian church. And if you and I are honest, we tend to feel that we're the ones who are the best at smelling it out, right? In others, in other people, in their behavior. But then we forget how we personally, individually, sometimes talk the good talk when it comes to social justice, but we don't follow through. We invite other people to Go see a GoFundMe, but we don't give to it. We proclaim the virtues of strong families, marriages, and and obedient children. And then behind closed doors, there's a lot of yelling and screaming and gnashing of teeth going on, and anger, and frustration. So let's be honest. Even what we would call good homes, good marriages, good churches, We're a bunch of messed-up rebels, aren't we? We're a bunch of misfits. We all are. We're all struggling with this. And yet Jesus loves you. (laughs) And he loves me. And he won't give up on us. And so that's what's so important to Jesus. This is at the beginning. He just taught them how to pray, right, the beginning of of Luke chapter 11. And so this is the beginning of the ministry. He's going to get ready to start sending them, really, as ministers, of the gospel. They better have this down. They really must understand it. And that's why he uses the word leaven. It's what leaven does. It spreads. And before you know it, it infects the whole. So Jesus says, beware of the leaven, because it will, listen, it will, not maybe, it will lead to hypocrisy. So underneath all of that, all of this that we're talking about this morning, there's this one thing, isn't there? There's this one thing that pharisaical hypocrisy is masking, isn't it? It's our sin. It's our, our true hearts behind all of that sham. That's what it's masking. Despite knowing that we're in sin, that our very motives, listen, are insincere, we outwardly put on a good veneer, a good look, right? Right? whose sole purpose is to deceive others so that they will not know about what really is going on behind the scenes in our hearts, our sin. It's an elaborate cover-up when you think about it, right? It's a hoax. Or at least that's what we think our hope is that we can cover it up. And so that's the real issue for Jesus. He wants his disciples, listen, all of them, including you and I, to understand that it's not just that he doesn't want us to become hypocrites. He doesn't want us to become hypocrites because religious, he wants this, he he wants us to understand it's because religious hypocrites are incapable of dealing with their own fundamental problem of sin, which makes it impossible for them to be able to help others with that. And so it's a cover-up. So, the question then for us today becomes well, what's going on? Why? Okay, we, we, we're fallen, you know, Adam, Eve, thank you very much. You know, this sin thing is there. Okay, we understand that, but why? Why do we have so much problem this? What does it look like? Why would we, listen, people who I'm sure all abhor hypocrisy in others, be guilty of the same sinful heart and therefore actions? The answer is obvious. And you all know one of my favorite preachers, his name is Tim Keller. He will tell you it's it's an idol. It, it's idolatry, is the reason why we're having this struggle. When you think about it, there is something that means there's something other than Christ that means so much to you, more than God, more than Jesus, more than the church, that it holds a place in our hearts, in our lives that is so important to us that we don't want to give it up. It can it can be just one thing. For we all have our favorite pet sin, right? I mentioned this a few weeks ago, right? And I saw a few little whoops, he's looking at me. You know, we all have something we do. Some of us have a few that we're holding on to and we're needing to deal with. And so while we outwardly put on a good show here on Sunday in community group, when we get together for dinners or hikes or whatever it might be, looking like we love God, his church, his people, certainly the poor, the oppressed, and the disadvantaged, the truth is we have desires that we know are sinful, but we cover them up with hypocritical displays of righteousness. So what does that, my friends, If we give in to hypocrisy, this is what it does. What happens is that sin continues to reign in our mortal bodies. Instead of us slowly growing in righteousness, we slowly die again. Spiritually and every other part of our lives. And this is why this subject is so important to Jesus. He wants his disciples and you and I today to truly flourish. I like to say this. It's not that he's looking around waiting for an opportunity to zap you, to punish you. He wants you to flourish, to really live, to really live. So the final thing that, listen, this this is again important. I keep saying listen because I'm talking to myself. Listen, Glenn, listen. The final thing that religious hypocrisy does is that it presents a false gospel, doesn't it? It's, It's a gospel of works, which Paul would tell us in Galatians is not a gospel at all. It's saying, actually it's saying this. I can handle my own sin. I'll work it out. I'll get to it. I'll deal with that pet sin in a good time. But for, for the time being, I'll just, I'll just put on a good show. I'll look good. I'll say all the right things. I'm good. As long as no one knows. I'm good. So at the end of the day, Jesus wants us to understand this is... A false religion. This is a false gospel. It's self-justification. Because the true gospel that Jesus has been presenting already to his disciples and will become full-orbed upon his death, burial, and resurrection is that we are saved by grace alone in Jesus' work alone for our salvation, right? It's all based on what he has done for us for the forgiveness of our sins so that we may not sin any longer. Do you realize... That's the goal. That's the possibility. Not perfectly, completely in this life, but you could have 24 hours of sin-free life. I'd be up for that this week. So the religion of the Pharisee is not only a, a false gospel, it's a false religion. It covers up the gospel of grace, and instead it points to a religion that cannot save, a religion that has certainly no future, and a religion that is destined to fail. Destined to fail. So that's, listen, number one, what leaven does. It spreads. And Jesus is saying, guys, don't give into it. Don't even allow a little bit into your life. Beware of it the moment you see it. Run from it. Point number two for today is this. Exposure is coming. Verse 2 says this, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Can we just pause for a moment? And can you just look at that on the screen? This is shocking. It's intended to be. It's Jesus (laughs) saying these words. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. We've seen this repeatedly throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has on occasion after occasion, known the very thoughts of people while they're thinking something about him or others, and he then tells them, right? He displays divinity, that he is God, and he knows their very thoughts, exactly what they're thinking. And so let me ask you this question. When you look at this, does this, does this at all sound like a possibility to you or a maybe? because I don't know, maybe I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but to me, this looks like a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. And, and actually, you know it's true, at least in this way, because first and foremost, it, it happens when we're found out. <laughs> People get found out, don't they? O- or we openly confess, because like, it, it's just the burden of it on our hearts... Being a phony, being a fake, having lied to somebody and trying to cover it up, it's just the burden just, so we confess it, which is a really good thing, by the way, but also sometimes it's because we're just found out. Some, some people can get away with hypocrisy for a very long time. We've seen that in the church, too. Hiding their sins, illicit affairs, but it's justice, God's justice, by the way, not yours or mine god's justice that people get found out they do they're exposed and the sad thing is the longer it goes on the worse their life actually becomes and certainly the lives of those who are being infected around them secondly please hear this jesus is also pointing to our eventual fate it's judgment day This is what he's pointing forward to, and he's saying, okay, look, you might get away with it in this life. You might. Chances are you won't. Hopefully, you won't because you'll confess it. But you're not going to. You're not going to. It's going to come out. He promises that if we do get away with anything in this life that our hypocritical and Pharisaical ways have successfully covered up, we're not going to get away with it in the end. The truth will be told, our sin will be exposed. And listen, at that point in time, it could cost you everything, friend, if you're not in Christ here today, and you haven't repented of this and confessed this. It's a cost that you and I cannot bear, even in this life, even in this life. Finally, point number three is verse three. might be a surprising title to it, but I'll explain it as we conclude. It's this. Fail fast (laughs) is point number three. Jesus then says, therefore, conclusion, whoever, whatever, pardon me, you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. One commentator I read said it well, he said, covering up your sin, our sin, my sin, living the life of a hypocrite as really and sadly a strategy of delayed failure. A strategy that is always destined to fail. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. The the thing that we're doing that we believe will make us look good, which sounds like success to us, right? Trying to look successful, look good on the outside. The thing that we're doing that at the time we're doing it, we're thinking is the right thing, the good thing to be doing is destined to fail. I don't know how many self-help books you've ever read in your life, but this should be in there. Don't you think? I've never found it in one. I've never found it in one. I mean, you look at verse 3 again. Not just your actions will be revealed, but look at this. Your very words, whispered in private. By the way, that can literally be taken, yes, behind closed doors, but it also can be taken to be your very thoughts. And, and how are they going to be revealed? with a megaphone from the rooftops. Listen, in, in, in this world today, in this life today, if you're found out to be a hypocrite on a level that people are really, really angry about, it, it's gonna make it to Twitter, okay? It's gonna make it to Facebook, it's gonna make it to the nightly news, if you're one of those characters that we talked about a little earlier, right? It's just gonna, it's gonna get there, so I'm sure if you've noticed, there's another thing going on so far. It's I, important that we look at this before we conclude. But it doesn't really appear that Jesus is giving a solution to this problem of hypocrisy, does it? I mean, it, I mean, sure, it's like he's saying, look, it's a bad idea. I don't recommend it, right? Beware of it. Um, it's just going to make a mess of your life, another failure. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, look, just stop it. Just stop it it sounds like a warning. right? I think that's actually how this text is taught and applied a lot in the church today and the last little while. That, that's what it's been taught like. It's like, it's as if we can do that. Has that been helpful to you? Have any of you ever uh, counseled someone who's had a drug addiction, right? I, I three, time, three years full-time ministry at Union Gospel Mission, and like I've sat across the table with with, with men who've been in the drug and alcohol recovery program, easy for me to say, and, and fallen and gone back on the streets, and then they come back, and there's a point at which, I mean, you're trying to love these guys, you're trying to really you know, like speak into their lives, and there's a point from across the table, you just wanna look at them, you got nothing, nothing left to offer, and all you wanna say is, just stop it. Do you know what? It doesn't help. It doesn't work, actually. How how would that help you with your little pet thing, right? With your own hypocrisies. If someone just said, just stop it. That's what you need to do, is just stop it. It sounds easy. But it's not really, and here's the primary reason. It probably has spread too far in your life. The hypocrisy of it. The unwillingness to confess it. It doesn't work. Here's why. At the end of the day, here's why. It's true for every human being, for all of us. You've you've seen the pattern in others, but come on, think about it in your own life. You, You know what you're about to do or are tempted to think about doing. You know it's not good for you. You know it's bad. You know it's sinful. But you do it anyway what is wrong with me? You two. We're busted. We're broken. And really, at the end of the day, it's, 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 time, it's time to get that figured out. Right? It's time to get it figured out. So why? Why do all of us do things from time to time that we know... Are bad. We know we're going to get caught. We know we're going to get found out. Or we know we're going to need to confess. Why do we do it? I can't remember some of the songs early on that we were re- uh, singing today, but it, listen, it's, it's, simple, it, it's simple, but it's simply this. That idol, that desire is stronger in your heart and mind than Jesus'. You want that more than you want him and what he has for you. And so just even saying to yourself, I need to stop this, isn't going to work. So again, Jesus is preparing his disciples for life and ministry. To do that, he's giving them, he's been giving them and modeling for them exactly what they need. And he's been doing it by doing this. Being with them. Even as he can see in their hearts and their minds that they are doubting that he is, in fact, the Messiah. And what is it that he's doing? What is it that he's providing for them? Himself as their very brother. As their brother. And so, listen, Jesus is teaching them and us here today what a failure, false religion and a false gospel is by showing them what true religion, religion's not a bad word by the way, what true religion and his gospel of grace is. He's saying this, if you make it the desire of your heart to make yourself look good by covering up your sins, your religion will fail you. I'm offering you something so much so much better. So what's the answer that Jesus is offering that's better than stop it or simply a warning? Well, it's the only thing that will help you avoid this. He says this at the end of the day, you can't deal with your sin. I can. Once and for all, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. And here's the thing. If you will allow me, if you will trust me, As Lord, King, Teacher, Savior, and Brother, I will change the desires of your very heart. Anybody want to sign up for that? Fail fast. I have one last suggestion for you this morning as we close that's better than just stop it. Many years ago in my business life, I had a great internet idea. It was the rage, right? 1999, 2000, 2001, already had a tech company, my partner and I, but I had this great business idea. Awesome. Internet. It's going to make millions, right? So, I phoned up this guy who I know, wealthy man, investor, bit of a mentor. I said, hey, can I take you for lunch? And he said, sure go for lunch, Gastown, Vancouver, very expensive restaurant, on me, okay? And I, I pitched the whole idea to him. I said, look, this is what it's about, this is what it's gonna do, it's awesome. He's eating. It's really great lunch. So I was just listening, listening, and I'm pitching, right? That's what I did. Uh, and so I'm just telling him this idea, right? And as I finish, he just finishes eating and he looks at me and goes, Glenn, I got two words for you. Fail fast. <laughs> Check, please. I mean, what, what good was that? best business life advice they ever got. He went on to explain. He said, Glenn, you're you're a smart guy. sounds like a great idea. Um, Doesn't really fit my portfolio, what I might be interested in, but let me just give you this bit of advice. Go hard at it. If you think this is a good thing, go hard at it, man. Give yourself to it. it. But listen, if you get to the point where it's just not working and you're putting good money after bad money, Fail fast. Get out. Because here's what human beings do. This is my pet. This is my baby. This is my idea. I have to make it work. Otherwise, I won't look good, right? Fail fast. Friend, if you're here today, listen. If you're here today and you're like, okay, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be one. But I can't just stop it. Don't, like, that's fail fast. Don't spend your whole life waiting to A, be found out, B, to confess it. The truth is this, and you know that, you should know that, you know this, I hope you do. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your sin better than you know your sin. And he knows how to help you get past it. To fail at it now so that you can live for him today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life and for eternity. Pray with me, would you?